Yo, welcome back, world. I mean, what's up, world? It's Darrell, your boy. We're here with the Room 303 podcast, first episode of The Pilot. What's going on, world? It's Phoenix. Hey, what's up, man? It's Ryan. You know, it's your boy, Darius. What's going on? It's Joel. All right, so... Dude, dude, hit, him, hit, him, hit him with the applause for the one time. Hit him with the applause hey, for the one with time. The applause, you know what I'm saying? One time for the one time. Let's go, man. First episode. Hey, he's only up from here, man. Yeah. Glad you could here. join us. All right. So, how's everybody? Everybody, day been? It's a good Friday, man. You know, I can't complain. You know, things been pretty slow today, but got some stuff done. Okay. About you, Joe? Man, I agree with Darius. It's finally been a slow day, but I'm appreciating it. I'm just, you know, I'm going through the day, chilling. Hey, um, for me, it was pretty good. Got got a lot of work done. Got some quizzes done, you know. Did a uh, round of kickball earlier. We won. You know, me and my team rocked it. You know, gotta get the dub, bro. Gotta get the dub. Yeah, the All Star team. We might uh, we think about making the professional league, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, good start off to the weekend. I'm excited. Got to get some more work done. Been so, productive lately, so you know, keep the momentum going. So, what about you, Phoenix? Boy, got a haircut today, so hey, hey you got to get chopped up. Yeah, <laughs> hey, drop some applause for Phoenix. Drop the applause. Thank hey. you. And uh, just caught my first NFT. Last oh, night, shit. yes sir, yes sir. Just making a making a leap into the new world, I guess. Digital assets, man. Essentially, that money, that money. <laughs> Take it away, Ryan. All right, y'all, man. I had a pretty good day today. I can't, you know, complain, man. Got to see the sun. Got to see the, you know, the sky, man. Was pretty happy, man. Uh, you know, yeah. So, yeah, good Friday. Yeah, that's good. That's Fish fry good. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Fish fry. Fish Me and Ryan. <laughs> Me and Ryan had some fish in there. Oh, it was pretty good. It was yeah, pretty seasoned, you know. It's Friday Friday. You can't Friday, go wrong bro. with that. Do they have that for dinner, too? Oh, yeah. They it always. might. Mm-hmm. You know they like to reuse food. Well, anyway, starting off, first things first, music-wise, what's in y'all playlist? What's some new music y'all done had it? Is it Money Man? Yeah, you know, uh, Money Man dropped his new uh, album, Blockchain. Go get that out, out now on all streaming platforms. Blockchain. Buy my NFT. And, mm. he, and he also dropped an exclusive NFT to uh, all his fans or anybody who's uh, into his Telegram. And it's like point uh, zero zero three ETH, okay. Ethereum, if y'all know what that is. Mm. You just got to keep redoing it till the gas price goes hella low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, uh, for me, my playlist, I've been I've been on some different stuff. From I've been on some Glock too. I, you know, I like Glock too. Man, shout out Key Glock for real, man. That's what <laughs> I was gonna say from my every day on my way into work. I hey. bump Bill Gates because, <laughs> hey. as Key Glock says, I've got one thing on my bucket list, and that's to get rich as Bill Gates. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. See, that Glock go crazy. My playlist been changed up a little bit. Last week I was on Mo Three and Boosie, hey. some young boy. But this week I've been on some Steve Lacey, Earl Sweatshirt, Tranda, Kaliuchis. What'd you say? You said Earl Sweatshirt. Yeah, Earl Sweatshirt. 
Nah, this some old. It's called Shattered Dreams. Yeah. Uh, I rediscovered an old song that I really like. Y'all, heard, y'all ever heard of Selfish by uh, Slum Village, John Lesney, Kyle West? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the jam, bro. Yeah. I just got back into that one. That was the real country. I was playing some, little, some old Lil Wayne the other day, man. I was playing Mr. Carter. I was Ooh. playing. Um, I'm the man. Yeah, I was playing some uh, No Ceilings. I was playing a lot of uh, other stuff, man. Well, for me, man, you know, I was just listening to that old East Coast, bro. Been listening to some Nas, some DMX, bro. Just been, you know, vibing out with them, bro. What's wrong with the East Coast, go man? Wrong, bro. They telling some stories, bro. You need to listen. Real life stories. Listen, man, shout out any listeners from the East Coast, man. For sure. You like the East Coast. <coughs> I'm from the West Coast, but I still show love to the East Coast. Good job, mm-hmm. East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, everybody said what's on their playlist, bro. I think so. Yeah. We hit it. Yeah. We hit it all. Oh. Did you Did you go, Joe? Yeah, Shout out. Oh, Glock. Oh, yeah. Key Glock, Mr. Bill Gates. Store run by Nas, bro. Just take a listen to it, bro. It's really good. Yeah, ASAP Rocky. That uh, live love. ASAP after ten years finally put it on Spotify. Shout out Summer Walker. Also, I've been bumping. Speaking of Summer Walker, uh, speaking of Summer Walker, so in recent news, well, not recent, but, you know, Twitter news, uh, everybody was talking about her her record deal, and she finally addressed the rumors. So this is coming from Revolt TV. Summer Walker is refuting a Rolling Stone article that claims she was in a lopsided record deal with our label and management company Love Renaissance. So, the topic of discussion is these phony, trash-ass contracts that these artists are signing, and they're just getting, they're basically getting scammed, bro. See, and what I'll say about that is, like, you know, for the, like, beginner artists, because that's our first contract, right? Yeah. So, you know, they it's going to be bad because they know they want the money. They need something. <laughs> exactly. So. It's gonna be bad, but um, what I've been seeing lately is with like the new artists coming out, they get you know more knowledgeable towards the financial financial side of everything. So um, I think now more artists are going independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. Going independent now and you know making their money and then probably like do a deal with a record label, but like a like, like a distribution deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a distribution deal, and then like you know serious as like getting you know. Tied to, <laughs> to a label like that. So, yeah, I, I like what Empire's doing. Their record label, you mm-hmm. know, it's uh, Gazi. He's the, I think he's the CEO. Yeah, yeah. Gazi. I like what he's doing over there. He got he got a, a slew of artists over there okay. now. You know, Babyface Ray. Oh yeah, uh, bro, Babyface, Jack hey. Boy, Ooh. Money Man, like <laughs> Jack Boy. It's like the All Star team he got over there now, bro. It's crazy. Like, um, hey, shout out to Babyface Ray, man. And really they like. and they actually getting their money, bro. They bro. getting their money's worth over there for sure. But uh article says earlier this earlier this week, excuse me, Rolling Stone released details of a record deal that Summer signed back in twenty seventeen in which she was offered an advance payment of only eighty five thousand and a fifteen percent royalty rate on her music, which is low compared to the current standard of the industry. The article also said that the ex for reason singer gave up the rights to her masters. Additionally, Summer also gave up a large amount of her non musical earnings, including the money she would make from acting gigs. Wow. I didn't know it was that deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My question is, why do you think these singers and these rappers take these, like, really crappy deals in the first place? 
Yeah, like how Ryan was saying, yeah, man. They, like they have no financial knowledge yeah. or anything. The only thing they see is the numbers on the paper. And then if it looks, if it got a comma <laughs> on it, if it looks good to them, they be like, okay, let's go. You know, let's do it. Though. Yeah, she. I, you don't know. She. I don't. You know, like she I mean, probably yeah, just needed. Yeah. Like <laughs> right. Also, man, like a lot of these artists not coming in with enough leverage as mm-hmm. well, bro. Because like yeah. they don't have the bread behind them, or maybe the fan base. You never know. You know what I'm saying? But like, get the money <laughs> <laughs> at first. But also, I feel like. You should come in with enough knowledge now. Like, you see, like, these rappers past mistakes, these artists past mistakes, and you should come in more knowledgeable and, like, having your stuff together, you know? For the listeners out there also, um, like, a 15% um, royalty on her on her music is pretty much like if, like, you guys remember back in the day when we used to buy music on Apple, I mean, on uh, iTunes, you know, pretty much for, like, every 99 cent or a dollar track that, you know, you buy, she's only making, like, 15 cents, 14, 15 cents on on every one of those tracks so that's that's you know that's not a lot and then i'd also like to bring up um somebody mentioned um like independent independent um artists and you know going independent instead of shining with a record label tory lanes um released his album on as an nft and Definitely, released yeah. only a million of them and you know sell sold them for what like a dollar or something yeah. so so after he sold a million copies of his album he you literally was dollars. up a million dollars just like that, like instantly, pretty much. So, see, what do you guys think about that? And see, that's and that's the whole thing. Like with now, like they know in the game, like exactly. Cause, mm-hmm. and I'll give it a shout out to like social media with that because, like, with you know, because with social media, you're able to spread the information quick. So Definitely. now, like with every like, cause you you see people like Money Man and stuff like you know, like actually like telling kind of towards knowledge towards his music oh, stuff. Not me cut cut you off, but like Money Man had a, a listening party actually last night for his mm-hmm. album release, and it, it was like him and Gazi, and it was just like a lot of people, his fans, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was actually talking to him about the album, and yeah, his see? next moves, and in the in and everything, man. It's like he trying to give the rights to the. Um, to the listeners as, as well with the NFTs yeah, and everything yeah. like that, so I, I like how they're doing. Facts, see, because it's just it's a whole like it's a whole nother perspective now, and a, just a new type of it's a new type of wave with the artists now, like with just being able to manipulate the because it's really just with the technology to yeah. be able to manipulate the technology to make you the as much profit as possible. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and, and going back to Tory Lanez, um, like so you know with an NFT, pretty much he sold this this album, he sold a million copies of them. And um, how, pretty much how like, long? How long did it take him to sell out? It literally was like I, I don't know how long, but it was probably under an hour or something. Like it was yeah. almost instantaneous. And um, go ahead. No, 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 you go. You got it. And so pretty much like with this NFT, um, you know, these one million you know users who have this album are able to actually resell this album and like sell it to other people so that way they can listen to it. And then the people who bought this NFT make money from that. And then Tory Lanez makes money as well for every time that this NFT is sold again. So it really like it, it never ends. He's making profit, you know, for as long as this album is reproduced and resold. And you go ahead. Cause it's like, like you said, bro, it's like it's literally like it's new money on the table. Right. It's, like, right. Like it's, new it's a money. whole new wave. Like it's a here. whole new wave. And like, bro, you, Break that thing. You break it down perfectly of just legit of how like it's new. It's, a, it's literally a new wave of money. It's a new way to, to create, you know, to generate profit. Pretty much that never ends for as long as this this album is is you know reproduced or or however it's resold. And then not to mention he already made a million dollars just off the top, just off just off dropping the album oh, for real. in in an hour. It's crazy. He's still making the revenue off of his other stuff that streams like, and everything from exactly. the streams from the other like yeah. apps and stuff. This so is really the like, new wave, you know. This is where I I think that you know, artists are going to have to go. 
I'm gonna get some backlash for that comment. But I'm <laughs> to you. Hey, bring it they on. They coming for you. He, you know what? From a financial standpoint, he's making some genius moves right now, and you can't yep. knock him for that. You can't. But uh, <laughs> Summer addressed the, uh, the rumors. She said, "I've been seeing a lot of chatter online. I didn't say anything because I wanted to stay focused on, my re- on releasing my album. No, let me clear the air. What that article says is not my current record deal." Over the years, my deal has changed many times. I've always had my own representation and full support from Love Renaissance. Thank you to my fans for always having my back and for all the love y'all keep showing my new album. Appreciate y'all. So, still on the topic of record deals, let's talk about the eight worst record deals in history. I saw some some people I actually like on that list, man. Oh, man. Hey. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Starting with number eight. Little Richard and Chuck Berry. <laughs> Little Richard and Chuck Berry, bro. Okay. Many of the ro- early rock and roll pioneers like Little Richard and Chuck Berry signed deals with the record labels that perhaps sounded good to them at the time. However, hindsight has proven to them to, that was a very poor decision. To be fair, a few artists at the time envisioned that the two-minute songs that they were writing and recording would remain popular for decades. Little Rick- Richard's 1955 album, Anthem, Excuse me. Tutti Fruity was a massive hit for Specialty Records. Now, my grandfather played that song so many times. I heard of that song, Tutti Fruity. Yeah. But the profits largely went to Art Rupe, the owner of the label. He paid Richard only $50 for the publishing rights to the song and gave Richard a paltry half cent for each record sold. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) A half cent for each record sold, bro. Half a cent. Bro, yeah. what is, how do you calculate half a cent? Dang, <laughs> <laughs> there nothing. How do you, how like do you calculate a, a half a cent? Half a penny, like bro. gas prices or something. <laughs> half a penny, man. Dude, that's nothing. Uh, Barry eventually learned his lesson when it came to the business side of music. At the time of his death in 2017, his estate was worth a reported $50 million. Wow. Next up is Tommy James. I'm not sure who this is, actually. Okay. But uh, he released a song, recorded big hits in the 1960s, like Hanky Panky, I Think We're Alone Now, Money Money, and Crimson and Clover. According to James' 2010 autobiography, Me, the Mob, and the Music, not only did Levy withhold substantial royalties from James, estimated at between $30 and $40 million, but that that James was also at one time a target for murder, murder, by a rival crime family, so Rob Levy, of one of his most, most valuable assets. Dang. <laughs> you withheld royalties from between 30 and $40 million from your artists. Sheesh. That's robbing. That's robbing. That's a lot of money. <laughs> hey, Joe, you want to read the one on Billy Joel? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Uh, let's see. When Billy Joel signed a 10-album recording contract with Family Productions in 1971, he had no idea that he would almost immediately regret that decision and that it would haunt him for almost two decades. The trouble started with Joel's first album, Cold Spring Harbor, which was produced by Family Productions' head Artie Riff. Cold Spring Harbor was incorrectly mastered at the wrong speed and gave Joel a much higher voice. Rip claimed that it would cost too much money to fix and release the album anyways. Joel had signed away ownership of the recordings and publishing of his music, so he had no recourse. The album was commercial was a commercial disappointment, and Joel considered it a huge dis- embarrassment. 
Joel was able to exit the, the toxic deal when Columbia Records bought out his family records contract in 1972. But Rip negotiated a 4% cut of the retail price of Joel's Columbia albums for the next 15 years. Even after nearly dealing, nearly derailing Joel's career before it began, Rip reaped the benefits of Joel's huge success with Columbia in the 1970s and 1980s. Yeah, that's great. So pretty much, yeah. you know, this guy, uh, Joel, Billy Joel, he he released this album and it was it was at the wrong speed. It, it gave him a higher voice. Um, it didn't sound, you know, that's the way he, that he intended. But because he didn't have the rights to this to this album, wow. he pretty much just had to deal with the way that it was out there. See, that's why nowadays you should own your rights. Yeah. You've got, right. you've got yeah. to own your that's, masters. That's Billy Joel. <laughs> Be Billy Joel, bro. And like um, even Wu Tang, I was watching you know the Wu Tang show, yeah. and like um, that's what RZA was trying to preach to all all the right. members. Cause he was trying to make sure that not just they eat, but everybody like after them eat too. So exactly, it was like a whole dynamic to it. And then finally, in 1978, Columbia's uh, head Walter Yaknoff, uh purchased Joel's publishing from Rip and gave it to Joel as a birthday present. Um, but the story didn't end here. Rip released a remix version of Cold Spring Harbor in 1983 that finally corrected the album's pitch to further capitalize on Joel's superstar probability, popularity. Bro, that's shysty. So that's <laughs> shysty. It took until 1978 for this album to be, you know, finally released the way that he intended. That's that's crazy. We're going to skip around a little bit. Okay. So we got the one and only Tony Braxton. Oh, wow. Yeah. Despite selling nearly 70 million records worldwide, singer Tony Braxton has filed for bankruptcy twice. Twice. While Braxton's spending habits were heavily criticized after her first bankruptcy filing in 1997, her legal team revealed that Braxton was only earning 33 cents per album sold, and her album Arista Records had refused to raise their rate in two contract negotiations. Braxton was also being charged by the, la by the label for promotional expenses, which reduced our royalty payments to negligible amounts. Braxton claimed that she only received a single royalty check for one thousand nine hundred and seventy-two dollars. Wow! Wow! Like how, I know she was it like millions of records she sold or what? Yeah, yeah, she sold million. over seventy million records 70, worldwide. Oh my gosh! She only getting a thousand dollars. Well, almost two thousand dollars. That's it. That's wild. That's it. One check. Here, a contract renegotiation with a risk to help back Braxton out of the first bankruptcy, but the story didn't end there. In late 2002, Braxton asked Arista to propose to postpone the release of her More Than a Woman album because she was pregnant and not did not believe that she would be able to properly promote the record because she was required to remain on bed rest. Arista refused to delay the release, which required Braxton to promote the album in a limited capacity. More Than a Woman was a commercial disappointment, and Braxton and Arista parted ways the following year. In 2008, Braxton again filed for bankruptcy after health issues caused her to abruptly cancel her Las Vegas residency. Yeah. I didn't know that happened to Tony. Man, these are some, like, all-time great singers, too. That's no, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Household snubs, bro. For real. Snubs. Skip around number two. Who wanted to catch that one? I'll take Tiger. So we got Tiger. Uh, over the last three decades, rap and hip-hop labels have been notorious for signing artists to recording contracts that include terms that are not beneficial to the artist. That's true. One of the most high-profile contract disputes in recent years occurred between the rapper Tiger and his label Cash Money Records. Of course. Y'all know who that is. <laughs> of course. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. I'm making them damn bird noises. <laughs> When only, when only 18 years old, rapper Tiger signed with Cash Money. Tiger later revealed that his lawyer was also representing Cash Money at the time he signed the deal. That's, oh. that's so shy. <laughs> oh, man. He is getting under the table money. Unsurprisingly, the contract was extremely favorable at the, at the label. And in 2017, Tiger said that he never received any royalty payments of at least $12 million that he estimated that the label owed him. Oh, my God. After Tiger filed a $10 million lawsuit, against cash money over the royalty issue labeled head Birdman claimed that Tiger owed the label money because of the advances that the label paid him. Oh, wow. So that was a dispute between them. So lastly, in in 2019, Tiger dropped the lawsuit with speculation that per the terms of his original contract that he earned royalties for any of the music he recorded for cash money. I think Tiger independent now, if I'm not mistaken. He gotta be. Can anybody look that up? (laughs) Down bad. I feel like Tiger Independent now. He got to right. be. The real question is, why do artists keep signing with this man? He's, li- <laughs> he's literally taking their money. But I, I ain't going to lie. All right. Birdman did mess some people over for sure. But like. His top he, artist. Exa- yeah. <laughs> even, top Wayne, artist. even Wayne. You know what I'm saying? He's not like he's like mess- like messing but up. Rain, his, Wayne was his worst. home dog, bro. Yeah. His top artist, bro. Like you can't. like. But I was watching the interview, though, with Birdman. Uh, it was on Big Facts Podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a good podcast, but um, he was talking about like even with Wayne, he was like, Birdman was young. He was getting money at like fourteen years old, bro. He was getting millions at fourteen. Even like when he was coming up producing uh, Cash Money and stuff, he had BG, Wayne, Turk, all them. Man, he was like, it's just he just can't had, didn't have control of all that stuff coming right at him. You know, he was just worried about the money. And how much it, how much he was coming in, and, and he also he had to disperse all that between the artists as well. So it was like it was just a lot, and like even he said that um, the stuff that he owed him, the money that they that he owed all all the artists, he gave him that and even more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, I do remember that. Hey, you gotta trust his word at this. Yeah, point. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, Birdman, real he 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 stood on it. He stood on it in in, in, in the interview. So it was like man. But still, at the end of the day, I don't, I, I don't think nobody should be signing to Birdman. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, try, try these new. Um, be independent, man. Go with a distri- distribution deal, right. man. <laughs> That's the way to go. For sure. Save up your money so you don't have to worry about what a what a record label is giving you. So the answer to the question about Tyga being independent, uh, he was independent um, in 2015 for the release of his album, um, and after you know disputes with his record labels before that and uh, as of 2019 he had signed a um a massive new record deal with columbia records mm, okay. and so i believe that's where he remains to to this day wow okay shout out for tiger man congrats to tiger man <coughs> there's all the applause yeah that was a ray of hope <laughs> in a time of darkness man. hey man that's how you bounce back though especially the music industry can't get grimy bro y'all know this Absolutely. It takes a lot of, you know, intelligence and especially, you know, with regards to your finances to make sure that you're getting the best deal for yourself as possible. And, and, you know, um, you know, it takes a lot of work, you know, on your own behalf and, and, you know, with, with agents and and whoever else you have, you know, that that you trust to make sure that you're getting the best deal for yourself and your music. Yeah. Just make sure that you always have somebody, you know, that has your back too, bro. You can't trust just anybody. So, Make sure you just, you know, find somebody to help you out with these deals and everything, bro. 
Yeah, man. Like Money Man, <laughs> Money Man was talking about on Twitter. He's like, uh, let him uh, work out uh, these rappers' deals. <laughs> hey, shameless plug. Me, Ryan, and Phoenix are all business majors, seniors at Loyola. <laughs> Hit us up, you know. You got any questions about your contract? You're not sure you getting the right deal. I would really love to manage a music uh, artist, man. Come to me, bro. I'll put you on. I'll put you on game for real. Okay. So, what do you think the number one artist is? Drum roll, please. <laughs> you guessed it. It's the Jackson Five. Wow. <laughs> I kind of look like Drake in this picture. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Jackson 5 sold a massive number of records for Motown in the early 1970s. And the family band worked tirelessly to put out new music. The Jackson 5 released three albums in 1970 alone. That's a lot of albums, man. Yeah. Unfortunately for the band, they only earned 2.8% royalties on their record sales and have no creative control over the music the band was recording. Because Jackson 5's songs were largely written by Motown's in-house team, the corporation, or were covers of songs from the Motown catalog, <laughs> the group was not earning money from songwriting. So when the Jackson 5's contract ended in 1976, the group signed a deal with Epic Records with a royalty rate that was nearly 10 times higher than the rate in the Motown contract. However, the band had to change their name to the Jacksons, because among many other things, Motown owned the rights to the name Jackson Five. Wow, I didn't even know that. I didn't. I didn't either. That's news to me. Yeah. yeah. So while the Jacksons continue to have several hits as Epic Records artists, none match the popularity of their Motown hits. That's crazy. Yeah, man. Uh, like, yeah, I didn't know the Jackson Five went. Well, you know what? I think I did see that on their like their movie. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, that they wouldn't get all their um all their checks from uh. From their albums and stuff like that, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they did get Yeah. I know that movie was a miniseries, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> you know what else was a I miniseries? Watch the, I watched it with my mom. <laughs> it was good. That was a long series, um, though. Yeah. That was a real long series. Uh, the Temptations was a, a miniseries too. Really? Yeah, it was a two-part miniseries. Hmm. I didn't even know that. I was BET. wondering what, that movie was super long though. BET, bro. <laughs> Black <laughs> Entertainment they Television. They, they know what we want, bro. <laughs> the Bobby and Whitney movie was not a miniseries. That was just like a four-hour-long movie. And I remember watching it, too. The <laughs> whole I can tell you exactly Definitely. where I was. <laughs> exactly. What day it was when I watched it. <laughs> so, in the world of music, sorry, Joe, we got to do it to him, but Man, do it to the Travis summer. Scott Astroworld controversy, bro. Oh, what is going on? So, here we go. So, what do y'all know about it so far? Well, I know um, at the concert, uh, Travis was still performing, and like people were actually passing out and basically dying, like yeah. in the crowd, and like it was crazy. Like people were trying to tell people on the stage that people were passing out and dying, but like. It was just like a disconnect. I don't think they understood what was going on, and people were unaware what was going on at the time. And then in addition to that, um, a story came out like in the last couple of days saying that Travis Scott was partying at Dave & Buster's after the concert, um, reportedly unaware of the tragedies that had happened at the Astroworld Festival. How do y'all feel about it, man? Like, Do y'all feel like he should be responsible or what? Uh, I 
I think he I think he's liable for for not everything, but he's definitely liable for certain things. Like I know for a fact that with concerts and stuff like that, you have to have some kind of strategic plan in place because you know anything could happen. Exactly. Active shooters, like like apparently someone was dispensing drugs to people with needles and stuff out there in the audience, you know, it's crazy. like uh, I was reading this thing. It was like they considered people who were dead as Smurfs. Wow. So that was the code name for it. But what do you mean? So like dead people? Well, probably because like they turn blue from like suffocating under like the crowds of people or something. They're just like, oh, he's a Smurf. Yeah, pretty much. Let's move on. Basically. Man, that's rest in peace to all the fallen people that died. Rest man. in peace, absolutely. Yeah. Like for real, a quick like moment of silence or something, bro. So uh, the debt toll recently just went up to nine people. Yeah, it was a um, it was a college student from Texas A and M, right? Uh, a young lady. She was like twenty two years old, and that they found. Yeah. She was she pronounced brain dead or? Uh, I'm not sure honestly, but I know for a fact that. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I don't know. If she, I think she was pronounced brain dead. She was in a coma for a while. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. My, what I have to say about it basically is like this: Travis Scott definitely. I mean, what he what he's been doing right now. I know he's taking care of the funerals. He paid everybody back into tickets, and I'm pretty sure he's not gonna win any of them lawsuits still either. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm pretty like the blame definitely he should have blame, but as well as the venue because I, I saw those security people that they had working there definitely was not definitely was not security like legit. They probably just picked them off the, tr- the street <laughs> and just told them to, you know, just gave them some security uniforms to wear. So, like, it, it definitely shouldn't just be him. They should, uh, it should be something against not just the venue, but the city as well, because they did not, I, I didn't think they did a good job to even, like, the response, the response wasn't there for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I'll, I'll speak my piece on it. I think that there's blame to go around. I don't think that it all should fall on Travis Scott. Yeah. And I I yeah. do think that some of the some of the media treatment, the social media treatment of Travis Scott has been a little bit unfair. And I'll say why. I in 2018 went to Voodoo Festival and saw Travis Scott perform there. He was like a surprise guest pretty much because they only announced him like the week before um you know Voodoo was to happen. Travis Gambino broke his foot. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, me seeing that Travis Scott was going to perform, I had to get my tickets, you know. So I went out there and I waited from, you know, basically like 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. to see Travis Scott perform. Wow. Yeah. Did he perform at 11? He performed that late. It was it was probably about 11 I o'clock. I remember that, man. It's like yeah. over 12 hours, 10, 12 hours? 12 hours. And, you know, and if anyone, you know, any of the listeners have been to a music festival like this, you know that you're out there for the entire day. Food and water is extremely, extremely expensive. And that's even if you can just manage to get to the front of a line to get, you know, some water. And now you're paying like $10. You have to go to an ATM to take out cash to mm-hmm. because it's cash only. Right. It's, you know, everything is upcharged there. Sure. So me being out there, I'm, you know, waiting the entire day to see Travis Scott. I'm having a great time. Um, as it gets closer and closer to his time to perform, you know, the last few sets before him, um, you know, the crowd gets super dense. Um, a lot of people are coming in. A lot of people are there. It's super excited to see Travis Scott. And, you know, 
just the same way as it happened in Astro World, um, you know, the crowd really condenses. Um, the crowd really um, like pushes up closer to the gates and closer to the <laughs> stage. So everybody in the crowd is being pushed, and there's nothing you can really do about it at, from any point in the crowd because it's just you know it's it's mob movement. That's the way that everyone moves. And so you know, waiting for Travis Scott to perform, I'm seeing you know literally bodies being carried out, not dead, but you know who wow. have passed out, who are people who are dehydrated, and you know just have been standing all day in this in this sun, mm. even if it is in October, it's it's New Orleans, it's right. still hot, you know, right. and you've been out there, you've been standing up all day without water because, you know, for whatever it's too, you can't, you don't want to wait in line, you don't, it's too much money to get water because it's ridiculously overpriced, mm-hmm. um, you know, for any you don't you don't want to lose your spot in the crowd where you are. So, you know, so that's probably where a lot of these people, you know, started passing out. And but and so the thing is that it's not really a super uncommon sight to see at these concerts, people being, you know, carried out of the crowd or people yelling for help Mm -hmm. because people do pass out from being out all day, you know, and standing up all day. You know, when you like when your legs lock for a certain amount of time, you know, you you just pass out to the body's natural reaction to it. And so what I'm saying with the point of all this is that it's not an unusual sight. So if Travis Scott is up on stage performing and seeing that, you know, people are passing out or maybe there's an ambulance, you know, around the crowd or something, it you can't automatically assume that somebody has passed away or something because this is just something that happens at every concert. And this was at Voodoo in New Orleans. So this isn't even on the same scale as Astroworld in Houston. That's something entirely different. So I can understand from that standpoint, you know, why he didn't stop the show immediately um you know with with there's video circulating with people telling you know crew members that someone has died in the crowd or something like that i can't really speak to that um so much but i know from travis scott's position and that's let alone without you know with the lights and the music and everything blasting in his face and in his ears it's i, I can guarantee he can't see past like the front row you know he has no idea what's going on beyond that right it's thousands and, of fans right there, and unless yeah. somebody gets in his earpiece and says hey we need to stop the show because people are passing away in the crowd he, he doesn't he can't really understand that until he gets off the stage yeah. and so you know for him to make the decision or whoever makes the decision to to keep going i can i guess see why but after getting reports of people dying i think that something needs to happen you right. know from the, but that that falls more on like the police and the city yeah. That's what that I'm falls saying. more on <laughs> see, the people who are running the show you can't just say can't you can't point your finger at travis scott right because at, because if okay. I'm Travis Scott on the stage performing at Astroworld, there's so much going on and there's so much in my face that you can't really focus on anything else but what you're doing. He's what makes him like the only reason like that really makes him accountable is that his name is on the is on the exactly is on the festival. That's exactly. legit. It the venues, the people that was working the venue was the main people on the ground that should have reported said, "Hey, these people are dying. We should probably stop the concert because they have." Uh, they really have the control to legit stop the concert. They do. The city police have the full authority to stop a concert the same way that they'll stop your party. You <laughs> know, they, when it gets too out of hand or there's too many people on the block. So as much as you blame Travis Scott, please take a look and to see what Houston, like what, matter of fact, there should be something, there legit should be an investigation going on. Like what do they, like what's going on with like mm-hmm. how they work venues and like what, and what they're doing with these like responses, like, Cause this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be a, a lot of things going gonna gonna, right. uh, gonna be implemented at different festivals. It's definitely going forward with this. a lot of things needs to happen as far as safety. You know, to make sure that these venues aren't overcrowded, mm-hmm. make sure there aren't too many people. You know, at these at these events. But you know, like I said, at a certain point, only so much can fall on Travis Scott himself. Yeah, and you know, some more you know blame might need to be assessed between 
city police, between security, between the showrunners, um, between the venue, you know, everything else. And, I mean, you know, this is not the first time this has happened at a concert or a festival. It's It's far from the first time. It it literally happened. If y'all check check Travis Scott's documentary on Netflix, you will legit see that this is not, like, something that's just out of nowhere. Like, this is, like, a normal thing. Yeah, he wants people to rage. He wants people to be in the mosh pits and everything, too. not just at his concerts, per se. Like, this has happened in New Orleans at Louisiana Fest that year. Mm. That was a mosh pit. That was a rage. People got hurt. But also, like, historically, this is not the first time someone has died from being trampled or anything like that. But it's usually, you usually see this at, like, Hard rock concerts, pop con- like punk rock concerts and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So my question is, why is it like I understand people die, yeah, and they're not gonna be disrespectful to the lives lost and their families, but at the same time, take this into consideration. Travis Scott's a black man, sure, we know that, sure. and yes, I'm gonna pull a race card. This has happened at punk rock concerts and everything like that, and no one has said a word. I mean, you they so, pull the, you know what you. You're getting yourself into when you go there. So, like, why, like, what is the reason why this one is just so different from the other one? Social media. Yeah. Literally. See, that's what, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, with so, like, just what y'all said, like, literally, it's it's social media era. So, the information is quick. Quick. So, it's going to be out. It's the information and then the opinions. When you go into the comments or on certain pages, you will literally just see opinions just repeated over and over to the point where you want to believe them yourself without even considering other facts, without doing the own own thought yourself. It gets exhausting, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm going to just say, like, the shade room, man, it's just full of that, for sure. Absolutely. It's just the fact that we knew before Travis knew, like, that all that stuff was gone. Like, that those people died. Because you said that he was at David Buster enjoying his... Like, you know, because right. he wasn't aware of what was going on. So, it's the fact. And that just shows the power of social media that we was able to do it. And we were, we're not even in Houston. Right. <laughs> we're not <laughs> we're in Houston. We didn't even go to the concert or nothing. But we was able to get that information before he did. That just shows just... And I hope that this brings the awareness, you know, to... We needed, like, that... We, that the cities need to bring, like, needs to be better with just the response, the security, and just, like, the venue itself. Like, it needs to be some safety protocols put in place. Right. I think that's where the responsibility falls because, I mean, like, Michael Jackson, for example, oh, could yeah. walk onto the stage and a quarter of the crowd would literally pass out. Like, sure. you know, th- this kind of stuff happens at concerts. It, you, as the artist on the stage, you don't know that it's that serious of right. an issue. Like, you know, that people are literally dying, it just looks to you like every other concert that you've been to. Yes, and also, like, the magnitude Travis brings, bro. It's just a lot of hype, man. You know how Travis is, bro. It's, it's, no, it's definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> His concerts and festivals are definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. But A uh, little write-up, just to give the listeners a little background in case they didn't know, but um, at least nine people died and some 25 were treated at hospitals after a crowd surge at a performance by Travis Scott as part of the Astro Royal Festival in Houston on the evening of November 5th. The Houston Police Department is, de- is investigating. Um, they said the surge occurred around 9.38 p.m. local local time, according to Samuel Penner, the Houston Fire Chief. The crowd began to compress towards the front of the stage, and that caused some panic, and it started causing some injuries, Mr. Penner said. People began to fall out, become unconscious, and he created additional panic. 
More than 300 people were treated at a field hospital at the festival, the fire chief said. So, uh, yeah, bro. Honestly, nowadays, you just, you got, when you leave the house, you have to brace yourself for whatever, for anything, because literally anything can happen. Yeah, my parents tell me that all the time. Literally anything can happen. Like, even school, church, work, anything can happen, bro. Literally anything. But uh, moving on to our next topic, uh, the, correct me if I pronounce his name wrong, but the Kyle Rittinghouse trial. Mm. This guy. Did y'all see the video of him fake crying? Yes, I did. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the judge, man. What I've been hearing about him, this is looks like an unfair trial. No, definitely. <laughs> he there's, there's definitely some, you can tell, like, I, I saw a clip of his the judge's phone going off and it was this song. It was like uh what was Trump's campaign song? It, it was like God Bless America or God yeah. Bless the US or something. Yeah, it like was that. that song and then I also saw a video today on CNN. Uh, uh talking about the Asian joke? Yeah, he he yeah. made a he made yeah, a I comment about uh the court's lunch. Let me see if I could pull it up real quick. Hey, can anybody give me an in depth like um Yeah, what quick happened? quick segment on uh what's going on with the uh trial? Okay, so right now, uh, after more than 30 witnesses testified in the Kyle Rittinghouse homicide trial, the mm-hmm. case that has grabbed the nation's attention is moving to its final stages. Testimony which spanned more than a week wrapped up on Thursday, and closing arguments are slated to begin on Monday. Rittinghouse has pleaded not guilty to six charges, including first-degree intentional homicide, first-degree reckless homicide, and first-degree attempted intentional homicide. For shooting at four people during the Houston twenty the August, excuse me, twenty twenty chaotic protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, following the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Was this the guy that had the assault rifle? Yep. Yeah. Oh man, it's been like almost a year. Yeah. Wow. It's been over a year. It's been over a year. Uh two of the people riding house shot died and one was wounding wounded. The events of the night of August twenty fifth, twenty twenty, almost all captured on video are hardly in dispute. The question before the jury is well, riding house actions were reasonable. So uh, here are some key moments from the court. In an emotional, well, quote-unquote emotional, I don't really know. I don't think he was. Uh, Rittenhouse said he acted in self-defense when he fatally shot Joseph Rosenbaum, who had thrown a plastic bag at him and chased him. Now, self-defense for a plastic bag? Are you serious? I don't know, man. Um, during cross-examination, he indicated he knew Rosenbaum was unarmed when he ran toward him, saying he pointed the gun at Rosenbaum to deter him. Rittenhouse 18 noted he was aware pointing a rifle at someone is dangerous. He said, he was chasing me. I was alone. He threatened to kill me earlier that night. I didn't want to have to shoot him, Rittenhouse testified. I pointed at him because he kept running at me, and I didn't want him to chase me. Rittenhouse said he also feared Rosenbaum, who, didn't, who did not touch him, would take his gun and kill people. The testimony was crucial to both prosecution and defense arguments about his actions on that night. The prosecution is trying to show that Rittenhouse's actions were reckless and criminal, while the defense said he acted in self-defense. I mean, does he have license to carry? No. No. He, he was young. Like, dude wasn't even 18 yet at the time of this. He just turned 18. Wow. I think he was at least 16 or 17 at that time. Like, so he's just walking around with an assault rifle. Walking around with an assault he's rifle at a police protest. I mean, what state is that again? Wow. Uh, Wisconsin. Do they have... Uh, laws in place for that or I highly doubt it I really don't think so honestly Mm. but this just brings back to 
another matter in playing a race card and putting putting race into an issue because a how old was he? Well, how old was Tamir Rice? Twelve. Yeah. Tamir Rice was twelve. Got shot down for a toy gun in the park. No questions asked. Boom. Police pull up. Boom. Shot him dead. This guy, this white male, he seems very, and I don't want to just throw stuff out there, but from the videos and from what I've done with my own research, he just seems like a a reckless white kid who just feels like he can get away with whatever. And following the, uh, once the case actually happened and when he was released from prison, a, peop- a bunch of people who supported him bought him to a bar and his shirt said, I'm free. I am free. So, like, I feel like a person who can do stuff like that and can can basically just go out and free and be like, okay, I, I, I got away with a sky free. I, I feel like you, you knew exactly what you were doing. You knew your intent. You knew the consequences of your actions, but you felt as if, oh, I'm going to just get away with it. I feel like that's definitely, especially with, like, white men, especially with, like, white men, there's definitely, like, this test to see how far their white privilege could go. Like, because there's no way, we all know this, there's no way a black man could do what he did and get off like that. It's two different systems people playing Definitely. out here, bro. Two different systems, man. It's ridiculous. And, and that really kind of goes to, like, what we was kind of talking about earlier was, like, you know, you just can't be safe. It don't, right. matter, it don't matter where you're at. And, and you you just have to be aware of not like your surroundings and others because you just never know you just never know so just stay safe out there guys like not for real, for real. Stay especially safe. it's holiday season too man mm-hmm. like watch your surroundings especially at gas stations man also the ladies too man like don't sit in your car too long at night like park right make sure you watching whoever's around you make sure you have a friend with you as well. And make sure there's a lot of make sure there's people around too. Don't ever go to no spot. No spot. I mean, it's just Don't you. Do that by yourself. Big city or not. Mm-hmm. Got anything, Joe? Uh, I I agree with everything that you guys said. I mean, from the Kyle Rittenhouse, um, you know, situation, the court case, no more needs to be said than what Darrell said. I mean, it's you know, it's two different systems, like you said, Darius. Um, it, it's just you look at what happened to someone such as Tamir Rice, but that's not even the only example. And then compared to the way that, that this man is being treated, is is completely it's two different Americas, and that's and that's the country that we live in. Definitely sad. sad. Definitely sad, bro. See, it, it was really about like I think earlier, earlier like down the years, it was like kind of about like making white people aware of it. You know that you know it's two, it's two different Americas because you know back in the day like they you like they would really believe that it's like freedom for all, equal rights, and all that. But I mean, nowadays like especially and we could just name this episode social media. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> but like yeah. it, it goes back like with social media now like it, they're able to see it, they know it, and they're you know what I mean like we thought you, you would think that oh I see. I see myself as a monster, so I should change myself. But they don't see it like that. They see it as a, like you know, as a gift or a special power to be able to do stuff like that. Ignorance. Yeah, it's literally ign- ignorance it is, is bliss, right? But um, we're gonna take a little quick break, real quick, just to freshen our breaths, to 
Get some water, you know. Hit it, Phoenix. You are now tuned in to the Room 303 podcast. Where else would you rather be than in Room 303? And we're back. Welcome back, fellas. Nice little break. Yes, know. sir. Yes, sir. I had to handle some business. <laughs> you know, handle a little business, a little business. But uh, our next, well, our final topic for tonight. No wonder. Wouldn't be a podcast with us without talking about some sports. Hey, man. We love sports over here. Don't know. Don't know. Let's man. get to it, bro. Let's get to it. Hey, man. Like, how y'all feel about Cam going back to the Panthers? Man, I'm excited to see it, bro. My favorite Cam Newton was Cam Newton, like 2015, 16, playing with those Panthers, man. When he went to that MVP season, he took that team to the Super Bowl. Man was making some incredible plays. But I can't wait to see him get back out there with those Panthers. See the chemistry that he already has with DJ Moore, with Christian McCaffrey, and all those guys, man. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt like it was a full circle thing for him. Like I feel like you know, if it's any if it's any spot for him to be the quarterback at, it's back. <laughs> it's back home. It's back home for him, man. It's told him welcome I, back, bro. I, no, this is this, <laughs> like I, this is it. This is like probably gonna be like where he gonna put his final like helmet at, put yeah. everything. So you know, I'm excited to see him play, bro. I hope he has a good season too. Man, you know, as a as a Washington football team fan, you know, and our head coach being Ron Rivera, Cam Newton's old head coach. I, there's nothing I would have liked to see more than Cam Newton come to play for us, especially being a quarterback needy team right now. But clearly, our team is thinking, you know, otherwise. You know, we like the guys that we have in our in our locker room. Um, but there's no other place I'd rather see him land, if not us, than in Carolina. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, like, who else? Uh, OBJ, man. He went, he went to the Rams, huh? Rams. Yeah, he went to the Mets. He, you know, he had a, that California love, bro. <laughs> <laughs> California LA. love, bro. LA. Chasing that ring, like uh, like him and Von Miller say. Let's chase this ring. Hey. You say you got to get some way. <laughs> I say I'm, I'm, not su- I'm not super happy about it, you know, with – having i drafted cooper cup to my fantasy team right and I, I stole him in like the fourth round and cooper cup if anyone follows you know football or fantasy football has been having literally like a record-breaking year qb or uh, wide, receiver wide receiver from from like the wide receiver position you know, he plays like slot 
Oh, what team? Rams? Rams. Okay, okay. I'm not going to like seeing him having to share targets with OBJ. Hmm. But aside from that, I'm happy to see him, you know, get out there and hopefully get that ring. Oh, hopefully it won't. Like we're gonna have to see, but I hope it might not change offensive because if he's been getting the targets he's been getting, they probably gonna still because he got the hot hand too. So he probably still gonna get his targets. So yeah. hopefully it don't change too much, man. man I want to see Cooper Cup getting all the targets. Hey. I want all the points. <laughs> shout all out. The points. He all, all the fantasy. I want to see thirty points every night from Cooper hey, Cup on fantasy. Shout out to Joel's fantasy man. Let's hope it wins, on bro. Hey, shout out the fantasy football team. That's my fantasy team name. You know, like the Washington football team. We the fantasy football team. Lol. <laughs> Can I be real? It was a. I'm not kind of happy he went to the Rams. I, I I would love to uh, love for him to come to the Saints. Backstory: He is a Saints fan. Oh, yeah. yeah, I would have loved for him to come to the city. I just feel like the chemistry would have been there, bro. And I feel like he would have been nice with uh, Jameis Winston too when yeah. he came back. But I guess you know he wants he wants to contend right now. He wants a quarterback who's going to get him the ball. You know, get those targets every game, and and Matthew Stafford one of the best to do it right now. So yeah, no cap. That was like a very <laughs> a very good decision on his part to to because like if he's I would say if it's not that team, is I could like I really can't picture him nowhere else where he can get the amount of targets he wants and a good consistent quarterback to throw it to him. So I mean, kudos to him. Hopefully, like this really like helps his career get back on track for real. Sure. Yeah. Um, hey, what's going, what else going on? NBA? Y'all want to talk about NBA? Well, I'll just also say about OBJ real OBJ. quick. Um, yeah, he he's obviously gonna be right at home. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's going to be right at home in L.A. No, you, know, that, yes. I mean, <laughs> you know, he loves the attention off yeah, the field. I even read that his girlfriend, um, I think her name is like Lola Woods or Lola Woods or something like that. Yeah. She even played a part into him making a decision to go to L.A., you know, I'm because sure. there's more opportunities for being an Instagram model hey. or whatever. Bro, she could have went to Treehouse. She could have <laughs> went work at Treehouse, you know. Uh, there's a couple places she could have been. She could've. You know, I rest my case. I'm keeping my mouth To me, and just to go a little deep into it, like with – retirement wise and with like any career wise like la is probably going to be the destination even like with soccer um forgot his name man zlatan 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 you know um ibrahimovic yeah he came over here after you know he did his little thing in the uh in the it's not the premier league I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm not gonna say. But uh, yeah, he did his little thing uh-huh. over in Europe, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, you know he came over here to because uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of players that do that in soccer too. But like yeah, LA is like definitely like the destination when you just ready to like put put the shoes, cleats, helmet, basketball <laughs> down. You know, it's LA's a spot. So and he was balling in LA too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, Facts. going from playing in Europe to America, you know, you right, take that, a, yeah, that's what I say. That's step down in competition, but man, he was looking good though. <laughs> that's like. LeBron James doing AAU uh-huh. in a way. But <laughs> nothing against nothing against MLS because I love that, too. That's LeBron in the layup lines at his uh, son's basketball game. <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, like, shout out to Bronny. <laughs> this would probably be a good decision business-wise to Eldale. So, you know, shout him out. For sure. Show some love, Brian. Hope he, you know, turn up on that field. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, how y'all feel about the NBA this season, bro? Go Warriors. Man, I'm excited. Go Wizards. We 8-3 and three right now at the time of recording this podcast. We number one in the East. It looks like it's no competition to maybe the Heat, but I don't know because they just lost to the Lakers the other night. I Man, feel, they, the Wizards looking good right now. I feel um, – so with the Lakers, I'm disappointed, but it's not the disappointment where it's like – It's damn, still early, bro. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, it's still early. We're actually pretty – we think we're like number five or something like because we only lost like five games. Yeah. 
or something like that. So, like, we're not really, like, in a bad position. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, we got LeBron, <laughs> AD, and Russell. And really, we really got Carmelo back in the game. Shout out to him, bro. He's really been holding hey, it yeah, down man. for us, bro. I, I love, I, I love Carmelo's game, Yeah, bro. he's been turning it up. Like, no cap. Um, so, like, yeah, I... It's probably it's not what I want it to be, but it's definitely a good start and something. And I already know we're gonna make it to the playoffs. It's just how far we're we gonna go with it. For sure, for sure. Oh yeah. sure. uh, man, what else? Um, yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. I was gonna say the Warriors gonna be dangerous this year, man. When Warriors the, ten and one, because Steph is already going off for like fifty and ten. Man, bro, <laughs> when Clay Thompson gets back on the court, it's, it's gonna crazy. be lights out. Like Clay Thompson has been itching to Splash get back Bros. on the basketball and he already and he be dropping like forty points, thirty five points without dribbling the basketball. I remember like one game he dropped like 40, 50 points. Taking like what was it like five three dribbles or it something? Was like that 11, game. It was like eleven it was, dribbles. Bro, it was something crazy like that. Right. This man Clay Thompson does not even need to handle the ball. All he needs to do is be on the court, and he's gonna make those shots. Yeah, like really, like uh, shout out to the Warriors, bro. Like you, you can <laughs> saw they took a little like a, a little like you know trip, a little misstep, uh-huh. but you see they right back on track, man. Let them sleep. Uh, <laughs> hey, shout out to Steve Kerr, man. Right. You know, yeah, you know, so. Definitely, you know, they definitely are in the mix and don't keep keep playing like they not. <laughs> Man, but before we get off the NBA, like let me just can we drop in some applause for the Wizards being number one in the East? It's going to take a little. All right, here we go. Hey. Okay. Shout out the Wizards. Shout out Bradley Beal. Shout out Kyle Kuzma. Uh, they put in work. They're getting it done. The, Riz- the Wizards this year reminds me of. Um, you remember that Atlanta team that was clicking, like with Horford and them? Yeah, I remember them because oh. they used to knock us out the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah, they definitely. Um, the Wizards got that chemistry this year that definitely. Um, they that, got that's going to definitely take them like at least they've got chemistry and the they've got depth. They've got depth the conference in the team because you know Bradley Beal is our only real like mm-hmm. All Star superstar player. But when you've got Kyle Kuzma, you got KCP coming got off the bench. Chemistry. When you got the chemistry that <laughs> comes with that, with, with these guys already having played together. Mm-hmm. When you got Montrez Harrell, who just goes hard every play, who lives at the rim, is given a hundred percent effort every Facts. time. Man, it's it's that's a tough team to beat. Facts, man. That's a tough team to beat. Shout yeah. out the Wizards. And I think I think we're all just gonna be looking at the East this year with with like competition wise, because it's definitely like if y'all don't see it now, like it's like next year. Probably like East is going to have the uh, the best competition in oh, the, yeah, the in East the league, is getting bro. tough. It's about time too, because I it's feel like the West has been the yeah. competition. No, it's been like forever. forever. It's, been it's about time it's, it's real, real. competition real. in the East. No, shout out! It's kind of balancing out now. I see. Shout it's kind of the, the turning of the tides. Yeah. They really, really bringing that competition. No cap. They're bringing like that competition. the Hawks. <laughs> like man. Are the Hawks in the East or the West? No, they're they in the East. East? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Hawks. And they're, uh, they're actually not doing that good yeah, this year. Really? The Hawks, mm, they haven't started off with, uh, they didn't start off good. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah and that's surprising because, you know, Ice Trey. Yeah, Ice Trey. Ice Trey gang. You know. We had him a couple of <laughs> L's this season, don't worry. <laughs> 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 LOL. Oh, yeah, um, college basketball just started back up. Yeah, I was looking at some of them games. Yeah, man, bro, you know college basketball is so exciting, bro. It's a different thing. It's <laughs> a different thing because it ain't just like, oh, like we know who's going to win this game. It's, nah, bro. It's it, always up in the air. I heard this year is probably one of the most exciting seasons you'll, we'll probably see yet. Mm-hmm. I heard the announcers talking about that. Bro, I just saw a post. It said LSU beat 
uh, ULM 101-39. to 39. As, as they should. Yeah. No offense to you, LM, but it's LSU, <laughs> and let's be real. <laughs> yeah, LSU got a decent squad too. Like I like uh, a couple of a couple of their guards, man. They they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got a nice. Is uh, Sharif playing? He's playing. I don't know. Yeah, he should be. He should, he should be. be playing. Yeah. Man. Shout out to him, man. Yeah, shout out to Sharif, man. Shout out to him. He he he. It was a lot of uh, setbacks for him, and he was able to you know conquer all that and still play the game he loves. So shout out to him. And um, Duke looking strong again. Yeah, Duke you looking strong. <laughs> bro, Duke is looking real Plus, strong. This Coach K last year, right, or something like that. He, I think so, bro. His retirement, so yeah. yeah. I mean, why not do it for him? Right. Show some love, man, Coach K. Bro. But still, man, who's gonna take his place though, Coach K? How do you replace a coach like that? I don't know. I don't even know, like, the assistant program, but hopefully this uh, assistant coach that knows, like, somewhat of the system. Hey, is Nolan Smith t- still there? Uh, mm, like, uh, I, I can't even tell you. Like, uh, coaching or, like, he was, like, uh, assistant. Or I something can't like even that. Tell you. He, he was a former player, though. Yeah, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nolan Smith was one of those great Duke players over there. And uh, I think he's he'd be on the bench coaching these uh, other players and everything. Yeah, he's doing a great job, too. Shout out to them, bro. I don't know about Kentucky. You know, Kentucky kind of fell off. Yeah, yeah. Kentucky is not. It's not it. It's not it this year. Take them off your uh, brackets. <laughs> yeah, man. We got to talk about March Madness. March Madness in New Orleans this year. Actually, uh, I think the Final Four. Hey, let's yeah, it there. is. Let's get a little oh, shout out. Man. Let's get a little hey. clap going for that. <laughs> for sure, man. Hey. The city gonna be packed. Oh, oh man. man. Bro, March Madness, Mardi Gras. Oh, right around God. Mardi Gras. Oh my gosh. They making all their money back this year. <laughs> Revenue about to go through the roof. And them streets still gonna have potholes. <laughs> uh, they, said, lying. they said they knew what was gonna go down. For sure, for sure. But um what's going on with, with Zion and the Pelican? Okay. <sighs> right. What I've been hearing is well, I've been hearing from other people, not th- anybody in the organization, yeah. but from outside looking in, they saying he needs to lose weight. Now, I believe it. If if you yeah. if you not, and I feel like if you if you not one of the trainers or you know somebody in there, you shouldn't be saying that to him, especially as a young kid. Because first off, bro, that that itself, you know, because we all have anxiety and you know we go through stuff. So I feel like. Um, they should kind of just take back them steps. I mean, them comments, you know, and just like actually support him in a way. And you know, I feel, I feel like they, I feel like the Pelicans. I trust their, um, their staff to you know help them out and you know get him, you know, game ready. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's a good point that you made about not you know wanting to tell. Him, yeah, because you know, because that, that could make it worse. Cause you could get bigger. And I, I <laughs> like, guess I'm sorry for saying I believe, it. but but. No, but it's no, I mean, it's no buts when it comes to mental health. No, I, I no, and I understand that. I understand that. The Pelicans drafted Zion Williamson when he came out of college, and this man, like you remember his highlights, he was dunking, he was blocking shots like in midair, like this man was going crazy. They probably expect the same kind of level of athleticism, yeah. and if he's down here eating gumbo in in jambalaya, <laughs> but, but I mean, oh, <laughs> I, I, no, I understand that, and I. But and yeah, I'm, so. I, I feel, and I. That's why I say I, I trust the staff. I yeah, trust. Yeah, trust the I staff. trust the yeah. organization to you know, and I trust him because I know he wants to play, and I know mm-hmm. he's dedicated to the game. So I trust that yeah. they're all gonna you know come together and you know work something out. Because I feel like this, 
he he has a long career. I don't care what nobody says. He has a long career, and he's going to take this NBA by storm. So, you know, keep playing, keep doing what you're doing, bro. Absolutely. And then, you know, and, and like a lot of NBA players, like, for example, Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. uh, for example, um, Giannis, when oh, they yeah, came yeah. into the league, you know, mm-hmm. since then they've put on a lot of muscle weight. They, you know, work every offseason to, to get into their best shape, to put on a lot of muscle. Yeah. I mean, to the point where, you know, players are, like, drug tested and things like that <laughs> for, for the way that they look Thanks. when they come out onto the court. So, I mean, that's, that's the goal of probably a lot of NBA players is once they get into the league to keep progressing, to keep, you know, working in the gym, you know, put on that muscle weight because it does take a it, it takes a lot of, of, yeah. of strength to play in the NBA oh, and, yeah. and you know against those bigs that Zion's playing against. Yeah. So yeah. I could see you know why they would want him at like around a certain weight or muscle mass or something like that mm-hmm. or body fat. You know, just so that way he can better protect himself. When you know when you're playing on the court and you've got to go toe to toe with these with these big with, with these big men. Mm-hmm. You you want to be able to have a certain amount of muscle, and, and you want your players right. You want your players to, <laughs> to be in their best shape, so that way they can handle all that in, in an eighty-two game season without right. suffering injuries. They got the Ashton staff working. <laughs> no, I already know. They got the Ashton you know, staff, bro. So I hey, I got full trust in Ashton. Hey, I know hey, they doing Oshner what they doing. They good job, man. They haven't done me wrong yet. Shout out Ashton. But uh, what was I about to say? I was say I mean there is some correlation with being you know big and athlete, but like. Just because big, you know, you big, it doesn't mean fat, you know. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of true, muscle, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, like there, there is some kind of like some issues that will arise, you know. But uh, hey, I've you just gotta get, you gotta shake back. He's still young, bro. Zion our age, bro. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. We all the same age. <laughs> That's what I'm we just saw this man at the boot, bro. <laughs> got a long career, man. This man in party with us. And I mean, this is just an opinion from from an NBA fan standpoint. Yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer. No. I'm not. None of know. us are even in the we're medical. Not, we're, not, I we're not experts. <laughs> I watch ESPN on YouTube. Like, <laughs> That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Just find my links off Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, man. It'd be a good shake back for him. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. But uh, what else? What else? Got anything um, else? W WNBA they they already had their finals yeah they already had their finals yeah they done okay but I mean that's about it hey. so, baseball baseball had their World mm, Series mm, I don't really watch baseball <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's about it hey but hey this is another good one have fun with you boys we'll be back at it next week closing out this is Big D. Follow me on Instagram at D-E-E-J-A-Y-Y underscore. That's D-E-E-J-A-Y-Y underscore. I'm going to holler at y'all. Close it out, guys. Let's go. Uh, it's Darius. You know, you can follow me at D-E-E Ruben, R-U-B-I-N underscore underscore on IG. D-E-E Ruben, R-U-B-I-N underscore underscore on IG. And we out. You can follow me on Instagram at underscore P-H-X-A-T underscore phxat on instagram and you can follow me at joel underscore henderson on instagram j-o-e-l underscore h-e-n-d-e-r-s-o-n n two n's at the end and um before we go i just want to give a little thank you to not just the listeners not just the people following us on our ig page room 303 pod um, but shout out to the boys right here, bro. Cause I mean, for us to just have this dream and we know we're putting this on, like we're really putting this together. I, 
I want to give a special thank out to them. And I want to give a special thank out to Janasia Chanel, man. She's doing oh, her yeah, thing. Yeah, for sure, man. Shout so, out, shout out uh, Janasia. Shout out, big homie. For Janasia. So, shout um, out, brother. <laughs> so, um, I want to just give a just a shout out to everybody that just you know can have any piece or part into making this happen. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Room Three Hundred Three podcast. Room Three Hundred Three. Where else would you rather be than in Room Three Hundred Three? Mars. And we out. What's up? Thank you.